East Screen, West Screen with Paul and Kevin, where if films were food, they'd be full of it. Welcome back to another episode of East Screen, West Screen. It is, what is the date? I don't see the date. Where's the date? There it is. June, June, June and something. June 14th, Tuesday, June 14th. And this is episode 70. Um, as usual, I am Paul Fox. And that voice you hear from some location in the Fragrant Harbor is Mr. Kevin Ma. Yeah, sorry. I'm on an extra secret location today. So reception might not be so good. Hello, everyone. Um, and so, yeah, this is the show where we talk about films from Hong Kong to Hollywood and some other stuff in between. Uh, sometimes we talk about news, but we're not going to do that this week because we are a little bit behind schedule. And in fact, uh, I'm a little bit pressed for time because I am packing to take a trip for the next few days. I will be headed to the great state of Utah, the city of Salt Lake, and I'll be attending a small little conference called Nerdtacular, which is sort of centered around podcasting and pod, different podcasts and podcasting communities. Um, so I'm looking forward to that rather lengthy trip. It's going to be a bit of a whirlwind because whirlwind, I'll only be there for uh, about two days, and then I've got to hop back over to Hong Kong and get back to work. Um, so yeah, we're going to do things a little bit differently tonight. We'll, we'll be back to sort of a normal schedule with our next show next week. Uh, so no news this week, but Kevin, how, yes, how are things with you? Good, just keep busy. We're actually a little late tonight because I was at the La French Made Film uh, Festival uh, for a screening of Alcatraz on the Run, which was a lot of fun. Yeah, actually. and you've been seeing quite a few of the films in the Noir Film Festival, right? Uh, no, this is only my second film. Uh, last Sunday, I went to watch uh, My Heart Is That Eternal Rose by Patrick Tam, and then um, next will be, I think, Close, I think Close Encounters First Kind, the Trey Hart. Oh, so, but uh, film. that's that's already played once, right? I thought you were going yes. to the first screening. No, that first the first screening was on June fourth, where the uh, the Victoria Park. Uh, I, I wasn't going to give up my principles, you know, for a movie, so I decided to go for a second screening, and then it'll be uh, uh, Secret um, by yeah, Secret by En Hui. And I think that's those are the films for me, if mm-hmm. I remember correctly. Yes, and of course I got like stuff like Lawn of the Law. I got the DVD, so I watched that, um, and hopefully some of the stuff on cash. But yeah, I mean, it's great a great list, uh, great choice of films this year at the La French Me. Yeah, I was hoping to get in on some of those, but my schedule being what it was, by the time I was actually able to see which ones I'd be free for, most of them had already filled up. Um, ah, but there's always yeah. DVD. Yeah, except except, except, close, except uh, in the case close. of a. Uh, um, close Encounters, right? Because that's um, that's not out. They actually added a show, by the way. Oh, did they? They added a show for that and Secret. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure how how fast it's filled up, but uh, you could I'll have to check. Definitely. Yeah. Yes. Yes. All right, but we are here to talk about some other films, not the not the Nor um, Film Festival. But we might once that's over, we might think about doing a retrospective discussion with you and maybe some other people who attended. Um, but what are we going to sure. talk about this week? 
This week, we're going to talk about the um, comedic masterpiece that is Microsoft's Office. Um, and on West Screen, we'll be talking about Super 8 and Kung Fu Panda 2. All right. And uh, I think right at the end, we'll also talk a little bit about our Shenzhen experience. Shenzhen uh, experience. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So, well, I mean, we don't have news, but we're going to talk about the film. So let's get into it. Uh, let me play this. All right, so our East Screen film for this week is Microsex Office. Uh, Mr. Ma, why don't you tell us what that's about? Sure. Uh, Microsex Office is um, Jim Chim, the stage actor uh, who you might have seen in films like Simply Actors. Um, what else? Uh, you Shoot, I Shoot, a lot of panel churn films. Uh, this is the last one was uh, Men Suddenly in Love, right? Uh, why do I remember that? <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> That is, this is his uh, co-directorial debut along with uh, Lee Kong Lok. Um, the film care adapts his stage play of the same name um, into film form, thanks to producer Wong Jing. Um, the film, of course, like like the title says, it combines a lot of sexual politics, uh, sexual jokes with uh, office politics, uh, which you think might be a good combination, but turns out uh, wasn't. Um, the film is divided into sorry, just a loose story. It's about um, the office for uh, medicine, medicinal oil, I think, uh, that is ran by um, the Jim Chim character. Yeah, and it's uh, um, if I remember the name, it, it's it's called. Uh, Mui Fa Yao, right? Um, yes, Mui Fa Yao. It's like, like rose uh, oil. But there, there's an actual oil called, um, what is it? Uh, Fa Yao? Uh, something. Ba Fa Yao. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that it's people, that people that use. So, um, That's right. Yeah, play on words, I guess. Yes. So um, the film is fairly, again, clearly divided into three acts. Something, I guess, watching produced films I've picked up on. You know, it's the three act structure. Whoa. Um, <laughs> the first act is about the office itself. Um, uh, one of the office workers named Tyson and uh, the woman um, played by Harriet Yeun and uh, a new office secretary, uh, Rachel, played by Connie Lui, um, who was, I think, last seen in, remind me here, I think, Vampire Warriors, um, a regular of uh, Dennis Law Films and also TVB production because TVB, um, TVB talent. Um, so the first act is about the office politics and things like that and the sexual politics that's in the office and then a twist comes along um the company has been bought out by a mainland adult toy company so the the the, the five uh workers are given two weeks to uh pull off a project or risk getting fired um so that's the second act is about them trying to fight back against the this these group of mainlanders um which includes zeo Zoe from uh, Marriage of a Liar, uh, you may recognize. I think he's the only one that I could recognize in the film. Um, and then, of course, they, they learn something from their failure and they have to band together as a team and to beat these mainland mainland uh, bosses. And that's essentially the film in a nutshell. Um, there was a little more story than I thought there would be. Um, I was really hoping from the trailer that it will be a series of sketch, especially from, since it's a mustache play. I really was uh, wondering if it's going to be a, a series of sketches. Um, I haven't seen the stage show, but Paul has, uh, and I think Paul can talk about the, the transition a little bit later. Um, the first act of the film, where you know it takes place in the office, the, the small office, seems to have a lot of the stage show material because I've seen 
clips of it on YouTube. Um, but the problem is that it carries too much um, sex, sex jokes, and not enough office jokes. I think the best joke in the movie was uh, directly from the stage show. I think um, someone asked if someone is miserable, and the person answers, well, misery is included in the, in the salary. So, I mean, that was really the funniest line. Um, but not enough of those office observations because, I mean, that's what really connected to the people, not, not sex jokes. I mean, Wang Jing movies have been have sex jokes for 30 years. That's nothing new. What we want is something new, new observations, and that's what the film didn't carry. Um, also, I think, uh, are the actors, I think the two actors, uh, Tyson and Harry Yearn, I think they were carried over from the stage show, right, Paul? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, and they carry weight. I think they're Jim Chim's disciples, so to speak. They're his students, um, and he, they carry way too much of the stage acting uh, to film. This what I guess now we can call the Jim Chim syndrome, where stage acting is brought to the screen and they're not toned down, and it's way too exaggerated. But um, they don't read in a, in, a, in a setting they don't really need to project. Um, so it's it really didn't work for me. I think the acting was almost too over the top, and I've seen. Hong Kong comic reliefs for years, and this is even too much for me. Um, the thing is, actually, Rachel, the Connie Lloyd character, um, the way she talks is like, um, how do I say? I'm, I'm just gonna imitate her here. Oh, Paul, you're so sweet. Hi, Paul, you're so cute. <laughs> That's you're pretty so- good. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it's, it's really annoying. It would be really annoying to ignore people who don't really run into people like that. But the thing is, I know someone who talks like that, literally. Who literally says, "Oh, Kevin, you're so sweet." Yeah. Um, so, so for me, it, it was funny for me because I actually know someone that talks like that. But I could see why, how that character could irritate some. Uh, I haven't spoken much about Jim Chim here. Um, he is kind of the leader of the film um, as the co-director. I guess he doesn't really, uh, he can't really handle too much to do. So, um, what happens is that he kind of he does lead the the troop, so to speak. But uh, he isn't given as much material as the other two uh, the two stars. Um, but again, he, he also kind of does the stage acting thing here. And when they come together, it's not really uh, that effective. Um, again, you know, Jim Chim plays... And actually, Hong Kong stage shows, comedy shows have this problem a lot. Is that they play weird and eccentric as, as funny or trying to be deep. And it just doesn't work. Um, here, they... They do a really bad ripoff of a Woody Allen uh, film. I forgot the title, but there's this whole t- uh, musical sequence that seems to be a ripoff of a 70s Woody Allen film. And again, it just doesn't, it just comes off weird, eccentric. It's supposed to be funny, it's supposed to be cute, or it's supposed to mean something, it's supposed to be deep or whatever it is, postmodern, but it doesn't really quite work. It just seems like it's weird and eccentric for weird and eccentricity's sake. Um, Jim Chim is. Actually, I like Jim Chim more than I think our movie group people do, or um, most most uh, non Hong Kong people do, um, because I think the non Hong Kong people he he seems he is kind of over the top um, and not always effective. I like him more than the usual people do, I guess, more foreigners. But um, and he's usually a funny guy, uh, even when he's doing the over the top thing. But the problem is he isn't funny here. Um, it just seems like a whole group of people mugging for the screen um i still i have to point out zoe because he's the only guy in the other team of mainlanders i recognize uh he's a taiwanese model actually uh if you were annoyed with him in marriage of a liar i think he, he mugs it up a little more here but i still don't like his voice um 
you know, there's a reason why his his breakthrough, which is the Manning's commercial here in Hong Kong, he didn't speak in it. It's because his voice is really annoying. <laughs> but sorry, Zoe, you know, you're a handsome guy, you're a model. It's not because I'm jealous. It's because your noise, your voice really is annoying. I'm sorry. <laughs> but as for the film, um, I don't, if you, uh, I don't even, I, I haven't, maybe because I haven't seen the show or I don't get it. Um, I did laugh a few times, but overall, um, I would have to say Flea is just a failed attempt at bringing a stage play to, to a film. And it didn't work for me. It was too much mugging, too over the top, but not enough comedy. So that would be my rating. Paul, you've seen the show. Uh, can you compare the two for us a little bit? Yeah, sure. Um, there are actually two stage shows out there, and you can actually, I think uh, both are available on different online sites like Yes Asia. Um, the problem with stage shows, when especially when they're released to DVD, is that very seldom do they have subtitles, or if they do, they're only Chinese subtitles. So if your if your Cantonese is lacking, or um, you know if you're not able to read Chinese, they can be very hard to approach. Um, but I've been watching Jim Chim's stage shows locally for quite a while. I've seen most of them. I hadn't seen these primarily because he he's the director for the stage shows but he's not in the stage shows not like he's you know, he doesn't have a character like he does here in the film um so the film is actually quite different from the stage show and the stage show itself is actually longer than the film and it's made up of different segments the the similarities are that the film here is kind of broken up in this concept of monday to friday um and the stage show I really like that part actually yeah the yeah. stage show does that too um, and, but then like each day is a different skit with different characters. And so, as you mentioned, both, uh, you know, they're basically his disciples, Harriet Young and, and Tyson, um, are two of the four characters in the stage show. Um, so they're the only two that have made the crossover here. Um, but actually they're playing a lot of different characters on the stage show in, in, you know, every, every, set piece is quite different. They're, they're never playing the same people for the most part. But here they are. They're kind of stuck in these these two characters working at this company. Um, and really there's there's two or three main gags that are pulled from the stage show. The one being with Connie Loy's character, um, which is... It, it, it's quite... I mean, she does a good job with it. I think she's probably one of the funnier things in the movie. Um, but she was she was not in the stage show. They had a different actress who was also very good. Good Her, the way she did it um, was quite was quite well done as well. Um, but there's that scene, and then there's the scene which you can see on the trailer with uh, the water delivery boys. Except on the stage show, uh, it's Tyson playing the water delivery guy, um, and it's just a single guy. Whereas for the film, they decided, well, wouldn't it be great to get the twin boys from so of solar to come in and, and get greased up and flex around and, and uh, act all kind of crazy and funny. <laughs> Didn't really work as well here. Yeah. I like reason. Tyson better. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, it, it's, you're right. There's, there's thing, there are things that work on stage and there are things that work on film and it's very difficult to make the transition from one to the other. Um, in either direction, I've seen I've seen stage shows that were based on films that didn't work as well as the film, and in this case we have we have the reverse, 
And, you know, we can we can certainly blame Jim Chim, but I also, I also got to blame Wong Jing because, you know, the whole, what once the company comes in and gets taken over, that part, there's nothing like that, in at least in the first stage shot. Like I said, I haven't watched part two yet. Um, and that all feels like Wong Jing with the, you know, the, the younger and sexier uh, opponents coming in and the two teams having to compete and one-up one each other. That is just so classic Wong Jing um, that we've seen in, in a dozen other movies before. Um, I can understand why they went for it, though. I mean, they wanted to give it a story instead of just a series of sketches. Yeah, yeah. And and that's fine. I, But I think that, like you were saying, it really needed more office and and less sex um, because the whole second half is trying to come up with this crazy um, Spanish fly type of aphrodisiac, this sex oil that drives people crazy. And it's just, it's just kind of bland. Um, the, the gags are a little bit redundant, but this could have been a really clever and funny take on office life today. And in fact, a lot of the skits in the, the stage show do that. Um, I was thinking that this was going to be a little bit more like, you know, maybe needing you, but updated with like modern tech and things like talking about things like Facebook and, and instant messaging while you're in the office and all the stuff that you got to do when you're in the office. Um, in a way, it kind of reminded, I thought, I was kind of expecting, there was a scene, um, I think it was with J.C. Chan in, um, what was it, uh, McDaldy Alumni, where he's, like, mm-hmm. going to work, and he's using his computer to, to like, cook, um, you know, a little lunch thing, and, and just making fun of office life, basically. And I, I was expecting a lot more of that here, um, but we didn't get a whole lot of that. Um the ending leaves you with more to come, <laughs> whether you want it or not, which was no. really kind of weird. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but in the end, it's just basically a Hong Kongers versus Mainlanders style film. You know, it's it's an us and them kind of a thing. And it's gotten to this point, this, this point of reversal, where Hong Kong identity is always being made to look dumb now, where the Mainlander identity is a lot more superior, a lot more savvy, a lot more sexy. Um, and this is a complete reversal from the way films were um, in the 80s and in the early 90s when you look at, for example, um, um, what is it? Eugene uh, Nehoa. What is that? Uh, uh, yes, Madam. Yeah, right. yeah, like Yes, Madam and and uh, some of the other stuff. So, but, Yeah, I mean, why is there even a mainland sex toy company? I didn't even know yeah, they existed in mainland. It's a good question. That's why they had to come to Hong Kong, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I like Jim Chim. Again, I've seen most of his shows, and he is a very talented actor, and he's a very talented stage director. But you really wouldn't know it based on his film choices so far. Um, he's just, you know, he does tend to overact. He, he hasn't really found the difference between stage acting and, and film acting. It, it, it doesn't work the same somehow and that that whole sort of there's a whole sort of song and dance sequence at the end that is just flat and plain and it looks like it was done for stage it looks like it was designed for stage it's just not very interesting on film um so yeah i i i like him i just wish he'd make better choices i gotta agree with you this is one um definitely you gotta flee it i'd say you'd be much better off to get the stage version 
and find a buddy. If you don't know Cantonese, find a buddy who will sit down or, or, or somebody who will sit down and watch it with you and kind of explain uh, the gags. And in fact, some of them, some of them are in English. Uh, some of the dialogue is in English in it. They're, they're making fun of uh, English, Cantonese, and Putonghua. Uh, or Mandarin in quite a few quite a few scenes. So there are some English plays, uh, English word plays at points, and uh, it's a it's it's a more fun experience, I'll say, uh, which is sad because I did want to like this film. All right. Oh, you know, we should probably mention uh, what we were doing on Saturday. Speaking of <laughs> speaking of film, uh, Kevin, do you have any any comments you want to throw out about that? Oh, what were we doing on Saturday? Oh, you forgot already? <laughs> Saturday morning at a certain uh, school lecture hall? Oh, yes. We went to a Patrick Kong seminar. Ah, yes. Yeah. Yes. Was... Why did we do that? At, at, my, at my old Baptist University, yes. Yeah, so Patrick uh, Kong came in after after about, after about watching a, I guess it was about 20-minute long documentary on Patrick Kong that had been done by RTHK. Um, yes. They, they, they sort of made us watch that first. And then he came in, and um, he he talked. I I felt bad because there was only about twelve people there, because uh, it was. Well, on the a... thing is, he was supposed to be there earlier. He was supposed to be in one of the classes, and he kept putting it off, and he yeah. put it off twice, and, and he waited this long. Yeah, that was yeah. the reason why. Um, but yeah, he came and he and he talked, and people asked questions, and um, mostly talking about his more recent stuff, like Mr. and Mrs. Single, and uh, his upcoming film. Uh, nothing really poignant, though. Um, I was gonna. I had at one point. I w- had wanted to ask him a question about the differences in working with, uh, you know, a mainland production versus a local production. And another one of the other students actually asked that question, and he kind of, you know, his answer was very, very nice. I will say, with regard, it's generally to, diplomatic. Yeah, yes, with regard to you know the mainland and and working in Beijing and everything. And at that point, I kind of got the sense, well, if I ask any questions in regard, you know, any follow-up questions, it's just going to you know, kind of be blowing smoke since he's not really looking to get into the, you know, the more nitty-gritty po- political aspects of, you know, what does this mean for Hong Kong cinema and what about censorship and the fact that you can't make certain types of films and these kinds of things. So, um, yeah, I passed on asking questions at that point. You know, I think these kind of talks, especially when you're at, you know, Baptist University Academy of Film, where most of the students, uh, I know because I'm from there, um, most of the students are mainlanders. You have to be very diplomatic um, and, and and, you know, never in these kind of public public talks, you can really talk about how you feel. So any question about the mainland, you know, they're not going to. You know, you know what kind of answer they'll point towards, and they will always encourage and talk about China film market. How Hong Kong was going its always really depressing to be in these things. And um, the the sense that guy is that Patrick Kong—he he he talks like you know he's ashamed of his whatever. I think in a way he he knows that his films are not very good. I'm not sure if he's real honest about it. He he said that he didn't ever watch his own films. He said his films are all not very good. Well, he did good say he, he did say improved. that his first film, um, which is called My Sweetie, starring yes. uh, local DJ and celebrity Sammy, um, he did have some kind of negative things to say about that film. And I still defend that film. I love that <laughs> film. I don't care what people say. I laugh every time I watch it. I've watched it multiple times. Yes, it's stupid. 
Yes, it's got Mrs. Leon Lai in it, and she can't act her way out of a wet paper bag, um, but it's fun. And every time that I can't remember his name, but the the character actor, uh, he comes, he's dressed as an alien, and and the old company boss has bought him off of eBay. Thought he was buying a real alien, and he's just an actor pretending to be an alien in this box. And it, I just could get a kick out of it. I don't know. Maybe it's my foreign sensibility. Um, but yeah, <laughs> that's, it's a lot less. That movie is is a lot more fun and a lot less pretentious than real Patrick Kong. I mean, yes, I think that's the problem. Is that he is he is much more. Um, he believes the box office numbers too much in a way that he thinks that his his romance, the the romance with the twist endings, are his best films. When none of them are very good. Yeah. Well, but but we've talked about it before. I I do think that he's kind of right. I mean, because he does draw him in for those. Yes. Uh, the, the the young kids like those stories. So. Uh, but he's uh, still not a good filmmaker. I think we can agree on that. Well. Uh, it it depends. He's he, for me. He's hit or miss. Um, some of his mm-hmm. films I've liked more than others. Uh, mm-hmm. Last the last, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Single I thought was was perfectly fine for a film. Mm. Um, much better than the one he did before, Marriage with a Liar. So, but then again, it's certainly not my favorite. You know, um, we'll have to wait and see. He's got one. What's the one he's got coming out in? What is it? Next month, right? Love is the answer, or love is the next answer, or so what? Wife swap. I just called it wife swapping movie. Yeah, and that's with Charmaine and Charmaine Shea and Alex Fong. Alex Fong. The swimmer, the swimmer, not not Liu Bei. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is kind of weird because they're like different. Uh, they're not the same generation, right? Uh, no, I think actually Alex Fong is fairly is getting up there. It's like thirty now. So but Charmaine is like. Charmaine's not that old, actually. Really? Charmaine is around the same age, but it's very strange because she has a lot well, more experience she's, with she's acting. Like, you know, she's usually posed off with um, older, you know, like Moses Chan yeah, or somebody, yeah, yeah. and and Moses is certainly not the same generation as Alex Wong. Well, definitely not. And she she she, she has a lot more acting experience, but mainly on TV yeah. uh, and Lady Iron Chef, which might as well be TV. I <laughs> oh, I forgot Lady Iron Chef. What a classic. You're listening to the East Screen, West Screen podcast. Visit Kongcast.com for more. All right, we're here to talk about our two West Screen films for this week. Uh, up first is Super 8 from director... J.J. Abrams and producer Steven Spielberg. Uh, Super 8 tells the story about a group of uh, young kids. Uh, look like they're kind of middle school, maybe just about to get into the into high school, depending on you know which which area you're coming from, because some some areas don't have middle schools. I take it, um, but my area did. So I, kids kids about eighth grade, I guess, uh, eighth grade or ninth grade. Um, who are all young aspiring filmmakers? They're all working on, on a film together, um, and at a certain point when they're out uh, making their little independent movie, uh, they happen to encounter and view a huge train crash, a- and from that they start to uncover a mystery. Um, they find some strange objects in the crash, 
and then some strange things start to occur after that in town. Um, parts and people and uh, dogs missing and lots of strange occurrences, and so it's up to the group of kids to kind of figure out what's going on. So um, I don't want to give too much away about the film. You can kind of get a feel for it when you watch the trailer. You can kind of get the sense of what's going on, but I don't want to spoil too much. But this is a great film. It's in the vein of other sort of kid or group adventure films uh, kind of on the threshold of uh, moving into the teenage years and becoming a grown-up. I don't know if you'd call this a tween film necessarily or not, but um, it's a great film. It, it's very similar to films you've seen before in the 80s, um, like The Goonies or Stand By Me or E.T., other kid adventure films, um, and, and there have been quite a few. And I think that that was what they were going for with, with this. And I've got to say right off the bat, I'm a bit biased for this film because I can really relate to the filmmaking aspects that these kids were doing because I did a lot of that with my groups of friends when... Um, you know, we were growing up, we, we made stupid little cheesy movies together. And, um, sometimes they were for school projects. Sometimes they were for other things. And it just really was using off the wall stuff for effects and, and whatnot. Um, so that really kind of hit a nerve with me and brought back a, a sense of nostalgia, I would say. Um, and I, I really bought into that. Um, there is a thing here and that's all I'll say. There is a thing in this movie. I, I won't say much more about where the thing is coming from or or what it looks like or anything, but I didn't really actually like the thing the, the in terms of like the overall design, um, the, the way it was portrayed, the way it looked. Um, it's a little bit different, but in some ways it's, a, I don't know, the design kind of looked similar to other stuff I've seen recently. Um, and again, I don't want to na necessarily name other films, uh, because that might give a little bit too 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 much away, but it just seems like I don't know. It's 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 very familiar feeling. Um, you can tell that there's Spielberg touches in this film, and you can tell that there are Abrams touches in this film. And for me, they were kind of very visible. I could very I could I could very easily see uh, that's a Spielberg moment, and this is a little bit more Abrams. Um, and it's not that they don't work well together, because I think it's it's a great film, but it's kind of like water and oil at some points. It's it's like the two styles are so different that they don't really mix in that well together in some places. Um, the kids were all good. Um, they, they're you know, very, very, very solid actors, very entertaining. Um, again, very reminiscent of a lot of the stuff we saw in the 80s, you know, with them uh, swearing being kind of one of the, the key tropes you know, having these little kids um, throw out swear words every once in a while. Um, but I would say they're a little bit stereotyped in, in their portrayals. At, at a certain point, I thought I was watching uh, the next episode of uh, Diary of a Wimpy Kid, for example. Um, just because you're seeing, you know, it's, it's, it's the, you know, the, the lead character, he's like this skinny but nice kid, and then you've, he's got his fat friend who's a little bit odd, and then there's the really weird kid, and then there's there's the other kid who doesn't want to do anything because he's afraid of getting in trouble all the time. And um, we've seen those kinds of characters before, so there's not a lot of uh, difference here in in what we're what we're given with the kids. But uh, for what they needed to do, they were really really good. 
Um, the best part of the film, though, is the end credits. I had more fun in the five minutes that they showed in the end credits than I think with a lot of what was going on in the climax of the film. And yes. because of that, yes. I mean, I really would like, I think I would have liked this film a lot better if there was no big event, no big mystery. It was just a movie, more like Stand By Me, where it was just about the kids and it was about them making their movie and them relating to each other and then and them going off and learning about making movies. That I, I kind of want to see that movie now. I mean, I, I, I don't want to downplay the sci-fi aspects of it because it was, I mean, I like sci-fi and that was fun, but I was so much more interested in, in, in that part of it. And yeah, the end credits are great. You got to stay for the end credits. That's, um, Kevin, what did, what did you think? It, it really was frustrating the way they build up all this mystery around, you know, what is essentially, I, I'm going to name the films. Um, and I, I don't think it's a bit of a spoiler because the mystery isn't really worth um, mis, mis, be mysterious about. It's E.T. meets Cloverview, essentially. That's what it was for me. Um, it was definitely Abrams meets um, Spielberg. Um, I think all the non non monster stuff is great. The like you said, the kids, the filmmaking stuff. It was funny because you talk about how 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 the making film stuff felt like you as a kid. For me, it was like film school, and it was yeah. grad students. Yeah. <laughs> and these are Chinese grad students. Uh, but that's that's something else. I'm digressing. Um, but yeah, it's really poignant, really involving. All that character stuff is great. The broken family stuff, the thing with the dad, and even the lesson in the end, um, what the kid learns. Um, those stuff are great. But then it, I keep getting frustrated when when it goes into the the monster mode, the the terror, the horror mode. Um, stuff popping out and throwing out stuff everywhere, the explosions and the big event like you were talking about. It's kind of frustrating me because they really didn't mix together. It was especially the last 10 minutes of the film when Abrams went into Cloverfield, then like he went from Spielberg to Cloverfield and then really quickly clumsily back into Spielberg. And it was really an uncomfortable mix for me and it didn't really hit home for me Um, until the last five minutes. Like you said, the last five minutes that the film, that was the best part of the film. Um, It had a more satisfying ending than the actual movie. I think (laughs) (laughs) the the ending of the the zombie movie. Um, the the first half was excellent. Uh, I love 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 the early eighties look. Um, cinematographer yeah, Larry Fong did the Watchmen. The look of it is excellent. The Amblin Entertainment uh, logo is per- is well deserved. Um, it earns a spot on there. Um, it's but the problem is that the stuff didn't match. I think I'm not sure if Abrams was the right choice even to do this film. Um, I wish that he might have. I wish he t- he took out the mystery. I wish he took out the monster stuff. I wish, I wish he made ET. I wish he didn't make Cloverfield. I wish it leaned more towards the sentimental Spielberg Spielbergian stuff, which I don't mind because ET is a fine film, and I don't mind Spielberg sentimentality. Um, if it works, it works, and it would have it would have worked with the story with the way that Abrams handled that section. Um, but of course, he had to go for the big summer event movie. Um, so that makes it, you know, it's a good summer ride, but it's not a great one for me. Um, I would say, I think, um, if 
how do I say? Because I, I, I'm really kind of stuck on the rating, what to do here. Um, for some, it would be TV it. If you're not a big fan of like monster films or sci-fi films, I would say TV it. Because that aspect really does distract from what's good in the film. But if you're into the sci-fi um, uh, stuff, like, like, like Paul, you are, um, I think the you know, production value is very good. The sound is very good. I think it's, it's worth seeing it in the theater. So, again, it, all, it always depends on the audience. And um, I'm kind of half between TV it and, and, and see it. Yeah, I, I, I mean, for me, and, and it's like you said, I love sci-fi, okay? But I really wanted the sci-fi to go, you know? <laughs> and and I, I, I've got to give this film a recommendation of a see it especially if you are somebody who's ever done any work on a film project of any that kind. That great, yeah. You know, because you will, you will just really relate to the experiences of these kids. And that's, I just wanted so much more of that because that part I of wanted it more of was that. really great. Yeah. yeah, I really wanted more. Oh, can we talk about Elle Fanning? Because she was really, she was a great in the film. Yeah, she, she was, was so good. I hope, I hope Hollywood doesn't ruin her. That's yeah. how good she was. Yeah, she was really good. And, you know, all the kids were good. They were just a little bit too stereotypical of, you know, the the, the, the skinny kid and fat kid friends and the weird kid. But I like that. Yeah, I, I mean, like no, I like it, the, it worked. It like worked. The, they, they could... I like that the fat kid is the alpha member. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. one for the fat kids. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, it's a good film. It just, it's got some... It feels weird in places, but if you've ever made a film, you've got to see it. Um, and especially for those last five minutes, definitely worthwhile. final film this week is the sequel to the DreamWorks film Kung Fu Panda, and that is Kung Fu Panda 2. Um, so, Kevin, you want to tell us a little bit about Kung Fu Panda 2? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, Kung Fu Panda 2 is a continuation of, well, Kung Fu Panda. Um, the, the film, of course, as the title suggests, is about a panda that does Kung Fu. Um, in the first film, uh, you follow... Um, Poe, the panda, as he discovers his true abilities and uh, his road to becoming the the dragon warrior, kind of like, I guess, uh, equivalent to the one. Um, here, they expand the tale more on um, Poe's um, uh, uh, origins, um, his parents, because, I mean, his father's a goose in the film, so obviously the goose isn't his birth father. So the film is... Um, it kind of deceptively starts off as an adventure film. Um, it's about him and the Furious Five um, uh, going off to to fight an evil peacock uh, called Lord Shen, who has been 
banished from the um, the palace because uh, he he was told a fortune that he would be killed by a panda, so he kills off a lot of pandas, um, all the pandas in the land. So so he has been banished and now is a villain, and he's back with a plan to take over the palace and to take over China and. According to Shifu, uh, Master Shifu, which is redundant because Shifu means master anyway. But anyway, um, uh, because Master Shifu uh, predicts that if Lord Shen gets his way, it will be the end of Kung Fu. Um, and I think this is a really clever part of the film. They start off as kind of a, uh, an adventure film with a really thin plot. And in the second half, um, when the adventure kind of stops and, and lets the story be told. Um, and I won't ruin much more here, but um, there is more to the film than that first 45 minutes or so when The Furious Five and Poe takes on Lord Shen. Um, I think it's, it's it's fun. Like I say, it was really deceptive because the first 45 minutes, I kept thinking, wait, where's the story? Wait, is this it? Where's the story? Why is it all action? Why is it all action? And then they started telling the story and getting into the... Um, getting into what they really want to say about Poe's origins and Poe po looking back into uh, his parents and things like that. And, and it became... I can't say it's really a balanced story because of that um, um, structure, but um, it was really enjoyable because they start you off the action. There's a lot of good action stuff here. Um, the story director of the first film, uh, Jennifer Yeun Nelson, takes over here as director. Um, and of course, since, you know, I think it's been like two, three years. How long has it been, Paul, yeah, since the first yeah. one? Uh, three years? I think so. I think it was 2007 for the first one. Right. Um, right. So the, the three. For, no, no I think 2008, 2008, 2008 yeah. Yeah, yeah. so two years. Okay. So the three years. Yeah, <laughs> so three, three years. years yeah. Gap, uh, yeah, has been, Man. you know, always the better animation. Yeah. Um, and we watched it on the IMAX, um, in 3D IMAX. And, you know, the film looks great. Animation in IMAX, I mean, in, well, in 3D is always better than live action in 3D. And the, 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 the visuals really worked here. Um, Jet Black is good as... Um, um, the same cast is back, is back, and Jack Black is back as the panda, and the character is pretty consistent again. And um, you have a couple of new surprises. Uh, Gary Oldman as the villain, Lord Shen. Uh, you have uh, Michelle Yeoh as the fortune teller. Um, and um, a certain master uh, is played by a certain Belgium, Belgium round kick. JCVD. Uh, JCVD. Yes, he plays one of the the, the, the the kung fu master who actually whose voice I didn't recognize for some yeah. reason. But came yeah, out of the blue. Was, yeah, really came out of the blue. Um, but um, so the voice has is great. It was fun to listen to those guys. Um, and um, the creative consult I think uh, in the credits one of the creative consultants of the film is Guillermo del Toro, which I was a little surprised because I'm not sure how much of his influence in the film. Um, but on to the bad stuff. I, I think Lord Shen, the, the villain, is kind of weak here. Um, his whole his whole shtick is that he doesn't need kung fu. He uses a cannon, and that's kind of what the threat to kung fu is. Which I can get, you know, modern technology versus traditional traditional fighting skills. But um, for me, he was kind of a weak villain. I don't think he was menacing enough. Um, the first film, you have Ian with the tiger, the dangerous tiger, uh, Ian Machine playing the the invisible warrior, and I think he was a much bigger threat because you feel that he, you know he could actually fight, uh, and the characters actually have to do something to find something to fight, to beat the villain. And here, it, it's a little, it was a little bit of a stretch that the villain was more powerful than these seven, eight, nine, whatever kung fu masters, um, and that was really the weakest part of the film for me. Um, Otherwise, it was 
really fun. The, you know, like the humor really worked. Um, I think they, you know, I'm not sure how much I remember the first film, but I, for some reason, I feel like I enjoyed this one a little more. Part because maybe the first film was such a typical, you know, um, unlikely hero finds his true power story. Um, this one is a little more a, a bit atypical because it's about it's a little it, the, the issue is a little more complex. It's a little darker, but um, I had a lot of fun with this, um, and I would wouldn't mind watching it again. Um, yeah, uh, Kung Fu. I don't know why it's, it's it's underperforming in the American box office because you know while everyone's watching Pirates, you have this pretty good. It's no Pixar, but you know pretty good animated film you know pretty fun it's action-packed it's not like there's anything that's displeasing it's actually um, a step up from the original film so i don't know why it's underperforming the states and it's a shame because i think it's a fine fine family entertainment i would say see it if you're a fan of you know if you can if you're a fan of animation or kung fu panda in general i say see it um i didn't expect to like it that much actually yeah um i'd say it's a great follow-up to the original and it really works for me because there's no more need for the origin story, you know, for Poe sort of being the central hero. He's still a little bit of a bumbler, you know, here and there, but that's the nature of the character. Um, but they've they've moved beyond his establishment as as the Dragon Warrior, and so now it's it is a lot of action at first, and and kind of you know building up to all right, what's this going to be about, um, and you know that it that might take some away from a, what could have been a stronger narrative in, in some cases but i i was okay with it um mostly because my eyes were always focused on the art design um which i think is a lot better here the visual design is just beautiful you've got um in some cases bigger vistas and 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 just a lot more to look at and it seems a lot more colorful that you can tell the animations improved in the last um uh, the last three years and in part i've got to say i think it's probably due to the director because she was um she was on the visual team for the first film so i think that that's probably her hand at work here um the cast itself i mean everybody's there but they're kind of not there um, I they didn't seem to have it be quite as prominent um, this time. It seemed mostly to be you know Jack Black and Gary Oldman getting a lot. Angelina Jolie had a lot actually uh, as Tigress. She had a lot. Like just like the first film, I think. I, I don't know. It seemed film. like she. It seemed like they everybody. I mean, Dustin Hoffman as as Shifu really had a smaller role this time. Um, oh yeah, yeah. And uh, again, it's because it's really telling more about um, the the villain more than anything else. There's a lot of exposition to tell the villain story. Um, and I think we talked about this last week, Jackie Chan, you know, as Monkey, I think I can count all his lines on both my hands, and yet he's always getting the sort of the last and, you know, and also featuring Jackie Chan, you know, um, given, given that sort of significant status, which I'm not really sure he deserves here. Um, but that's just, that's just my take on it. Yeah. I was really hoping for, given the fact that we do have Michelle Yeoh, uh, here and she has a fairly significant role. I was kind of hoping that she and, uh, the monkey character would have a little bit of a, a comedic dialogue, a little bit of a back and forth given their history of, you know, doing film, Hong Kong films and doing films together. So didn't really get that kind of 
missed opportunity, I guess. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely, I think for me, it worked better than the original, looked better than the original, and yeah, can kind of expect there's going to be a part three. Um, yeah, what did you think about that setup for part three? It was kind of it, out of the blue. Um, it was, yeah. But I, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to knock it because I like, of the DreamWorks, this is my favorite. This is my favorite title that they've done. And I'm hoping they'll do more. So, I, uh, you know, it was it was kind of, it was kind of like a detective two moment. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> really was that come out of blue. Um, yeah. Because yeah, it was like, wait, whoa, where did that come from? Um, but yeah, if if it means they're gonna make a part three, I'm I'm all for it, and hopefully it'll be as good or better than this one. So I'd say definitely see it, even if you didn't really like the first one. If you're somebody who's kind of turned was kind of turned off like by the origin nature story of it i'd say give this one a chance because um i think it it works a little bit better from a storytelling perspective um yeah but yeah it's if if you're somebody who just doesn't like jack black doesn't like animation this is probably not going to work for you all right uh you know we ought to talk a little bit before we go about uh watching this movie though you know because we did uh, have to do a border transit to see it. <laughs> yeah, the film doesn't open in Hong Kong until July 21st. And I went there not particularly because I was interested in the movie, but I was, well, I was more interested in reviewing the movie. So so I crossed the border over to Shenzhen, and so did Paul. And we visited the new um, KK Moth, UAKK Moth Theater, which is the only uh, theater in Shenzhen that has the IMAX screen. Um Actually, I think it's a digital IMAX. Do you think, Paul? I think that was a digital IMAX. I think IMAX it was, theater. yeah. And yeah, yeah. It was a really but nice like... mall, but very, very much a mall. I mean, it looked like yeah. any of the big malls in Hong Kong, Festival Walk or Pacific Place, um, you know, all the same kinds of shops. It, the Food Republic food court is, I think, uh, that's the same one they have in Olympic, where we often watch movies here in Hong Kong. And they had a lot of the same... Um, the same food shops on hand, so a little bit homogenized. Uh, The Food Republic was very actually a pleasant surprise because they had a lot more mainland Chinese food. Yeah, they did, but they still had, like, they had, um, um, what's the one I always eat? Uh, Pepper Lunch from Japan. Ah, yeah, They had a Pepper Lunch there and uh, a couple of the other shops I recognized. They did have, no, you're right, they did have some more mainland choices as well. Um, yes. But yeah, still is it was kind of weird, you know. You're being in here in mainland China, but it feels like you're in Hong Kong or in any other mall you could be in. Um, yeah. But the 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 theater itself was nice. It was a very big IMAX theater, comfortable seats. Um, I tried to use my real 3D glasses because the glasses they had were not that comfortable, um, but mm-hmm. they did not work. So I had to mm-hmm. use their glasses. It's a different system. Yeah, yeah. Um, the movie. Well, my experience was that I um, this I picked I picked this theater not because of the IMAX actually because, but because um, I was able to uh, book my ticket in advance. Um, I just booked it. I started an account on the UA Web China website. I booked my seat, and then I just needed the 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 um, the number, the reference number, and I was just able to pay at the box office as long as I no, arrived but- there an hour early. Did you yeah. have to pay with a Hong Kong card, or how did you? No, no, no. I didn't. I paid in cash. Oh, okay. I didn't have to so you didn't have leave to... any monetary. Uh, you didn't yeah, have to pay didn't online have to... like the local cinemas make you do. 
Yes, exactly. Because in in China, the other uh, theater websites, I had to provide my uh, China ID number and China phone number. Here, I just start an account with name. Uh, I don't know if they need a phone number. Um, I just book my seat, and then as long as I got there uh, seventy five minutes before showtime, then they'll they'll keep my seat. And then if you don't show up and don't pay, they just open up your seat and mm. sell it to someone else. And that's what I really appreciate the most about that theater. Um, Actually, the, the IMAX prices, 120 RMB, is fairly close to the 3D uh, prices. I think yeah. I checked. Um, I think it's about 150 time. Hong Kong dollars now, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah something like that. But uh, in, in, in for regular smaller screen 3D, actually, the, I think at prime time, it was like 100 dollar RMB. So it's not that big of a difference yeah. for IMAX there, 3D. One difference I did notice, and, and the, I mean, the good thing about going to see it in IMAX was that it was the English version with subtitles. Yes. But they were playing a dubbed version, but it, that mm. one was shorter. I think, yeah, like it's about six, 10 six minutes, minutes shorter. So, six yeah. minutes or something like and that. I'm, which is I'm curious to know what got cut out because one of the things about this film was there was some stuff that you could look at and say, that's kind of criticizing China, right? I mean, <laughs> um, for example, there's this one scene where Poe is kind of standing out by himself and there are all these cannons aimed at him. And I was thinking, ooh, who does that remind me of? Tank Man? <laughs> Tiananmen? Um, you know, th there was just stuff like that that was very referential. And, if, and there's a scene where the, uh, the villain is ordering his troops to go around and collect um, all kinds of metal um, to be melted down. And that, you know, some people could read into that uh great leap forward and you know the sort of the pushed for metal burning or or metal smelting foundries and and the failure that ended up resulting from that i mean there, there just was a lot of little stuff that i could have pointed at and said uh, is somebody intentionally you know um making some minor political statements that somehow got by the censors or am i just overly observant or overly cynical i don't know i think they figured the kids wouldn't read too much into it and they were just um yeah i think they figured that and and i guess they let it through which is strange but um maybe one day i can pick up a mainland dvd and and see if it's a different version yeah um be interesting to see what got cut yeah i can't say that the imax um experience will be the, similar to a your normal um a mainland film experience but of course the audience remained consistent because they were chatter they're, they're chatting taking out their phone answering the phone and <laughs> i just kind of I, I didn't even bother anymore i know where i was um even in hong kong i was sitting next to annoying talkers in super eight and you know it's these two people who think they're watching their download the films at home and they're discussing it you know like oh yeah you know i had people behind you know and china had like a whole family behind me you know doubting where the tigress is supposed to be more powerful than poe and that was like consistent consistent doubt it's like really is she more powerful really is she more powerful and on my left i had like <laughs> yeah and on my left i had the guy answering his phone and then things you know it's, it's china and somehow i'm more that the same thing happened to me when i watched movies in xinjiang right. uh, in new year um of course imax there's more standard with projection things like that when i was in china and xinjiang the movies weren't displayed correctly you had bad speakers but i think those are slightly older theaters so you can't expect um they were digital projection though but i guess you can't predict uh or you can't expect the same kind of quality i will go back to that theater to the smaller screens um the theater is about a year old 
Um, I predict that I will go back if Wu Xia plays early um, or other films like I think Rest on Your Shoulder by Jacob Chun that plays there. I might go up there and watch it again and watch and see what watching movies on a smaller screen is like. Um, but because of the IMAX format, we didn't get you know the usual mainland theater annoyances like the 20 minutes of ads um, and bad, possibly bad projection or bad sound systems or things like that. Um, did, did, would that um, more reflect your previous uh, China movie going experience, Paul? You know, bad projection. Um, ads, like I've, well, I've only seen one other film in Shenzhen, and that was a while ago. That was um, Johnny English, the um, Rowan Atkinson movie. And I just remember the theater being small and the seats, mm-hmm. the seats being very cramped, sort of like very old. Um, if you ever went to the Sha Tin UA uh, theater, uh, the above ground ones before they tore them down, those seats were always kind of really cramped. Mm-hmm. Um, that one, that it was, it was kind of like that. And the person that, I, that I'd gone with at that time did exactly what you said, uh, whipped out a phone and ended up, ended up having like a 30 minute conversation. <laughs> while watching the movie and i was like okay uh, i'm not gonna watch a movie with this person again yeah um so yeah that was um that was uh, my experience yeah yeah if there's one thing we're thankful for the rise of chinese cinema is that um the cinemas are getting better um digital projection is one way because you can't expect you know professional film projectionists um in these theaters um and of course, you have you have film going still as a luxury uh, for the middle class. So you know you you expect um, construction to be better. Actually, one thing I really had a problem with when I was in Xinjiang, I didn't use the bathrooms in this theater, um, but bathrooms are really badly maintained in mm. Chinese cinemas. I'm not sure if that you used the bathroom right, Paul. In, yeah, it was in fine. Was, it, was it was weird. Fine. It was weird because um, it was an individual bathroom. Ah, they, it wasn't like a big. Um, you know, communal kind of thing. They had four little individual rooms, ah. um, two male and two female. So you okay. basically had to wait outside until whoever was in came out. And that's but they were, yeah, they were they were clean. They weren't they weren't um, they weren't dirty or anything like that inside. So okay, so I think I think I like the theater as far as I can see. It has six screens, seven screens, I think, uh, including the IMAX. It has eight screens actually. Including the VIP screen and and the IMAX screen, um, they're mostly small, one hundred seat or so. Um, but I think at least it's new, it's clean, it's in a clean mall, it's in a good environment. It's not hard to reach, um, and I would definitely go back to that mall um, if I were to go watch movies in Shenzhen. Um, Paul, do you do you agree with this? Yeah, um, the, the the wife was very happy and was saying, you know, we should go back there more often, especially before my my visa runs out and right. uh the other point is i found a dairy queen yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was shocked i was we were walking around afterwards um at, at a different mall nearby and uh yeah i saw this guy I, I i i swore it was a dairy queen cup and then we rounded the corner and there's a dairy queen right there i was like oh my gosh and for those of you who possibly don't know what it is dairy queen is probably the worst little ice cream chain you could probably ever eat at um, because (laughs) they give you these huge portions of of ice creams and shakes and they're super sweet and super fattening and they're just so good. Um, And it's a respectable place. They they, they decorate it as like a respectable 
chain yeah yeah um, of restaurants i don't care. and we don't have them here in hong kong and i try to hit one usually when i go back to the states and now i don't have to i can just cross the border so that's Yay. great Yay. Um, so yeah that's that our shenzhen experience oops not working ah all right i think that's a show what do you think i i think we've got a show yeah that's a show um yeah so again it's a short show this week we do apologize we hope to be back to our regular format next time um but i gotta say thank you again to mr ma for hanging out and talking shop with me and uh if you'd like to follow along with what we're doing what we're up to you can of course always visit our website at www.concast.com or you can drop by itunes and look us up there east screen west screen and uh, leave us a you know a review leave us some feedback we'd love to hear from you you can follow along the show at twitter at twitter.com slash concast or you can follow mr ma himself in his daily musings and some of the very interesting film discussions that he gets into uh, at twitter.com slash thegoldenrock. That is one word. You can email us here at the show at eastscreen at gmail.com. Send us thoughts, comments, questions. You can post questions over on the website or send them direct. You can even send us a short uh, audio file, and we might just play it here on the show. Uh, Final thoughts there, Mr. Ma? Um, it, 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 everybody was kung fu fighting. <laughs> Are you doing any writing, any reviews this week? Yes, uh, I am writing at uh, www.ypmovies.com.hk. Go into that page, look at the English version. Uh, you will see some of the films now playing Hong Kong in English. Uh, language, language films are reviewed by me. This week I will be reviewing Something Borrowed because I guess I am now the resident chick flick writer reviewer mm. of that page and uh, i guess that's just my lot in life excellent yeah yeah all right so always we... a bride for the bride yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we could always be stuck re- reviewing bride wars too let's hope <gasps> that's not gonna happen um all right so yeah next time will be episode 71 um all things provided hopefully my flights won't get delayed and i'll be back here on time next week We'll be looking at the latest mainland feature, Love for Life. And won't that be a fun and happy film? And we'll also be talking about the latest comic book movie, Green Lantern. And that's all for next time. But until then, as always, we will wish you good viewing. And we'll see you next time. Everybody must come for fighting. See you next time, everybody.